Hello there, this is A.D. Robles, and you're listening to A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. All right, all right. Well, today is a very special day. I am just about ready to upload to the members-only section of the Fight, Laugh, Laugh Feast website a my very first members-only content. It's going to be a video. It's about a 30-minute video. Um, and it's it, it's a video in response to an article called Jerks for Jesus that was posted to the Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary blog. It's a good article in general, but I find it to be a very imbalanced article. And in fact, I'm using it as an example of the kind of rules that I don't think we should necessarily play by anymore. These rules of niceness, these rules of politeness, these rules of engagement in a war. Look, nice, being nice and being polite, these are good things, and I talk about this in, in depth in my video. Um, but when you're in a war against ideas that are dangerous, that are deadly, then sometimes you need to act like you're in a war. And so there's a time for niceness, there's a time for harsh words, there's a time for you know, uh, you know, patience and a time for action. There's a time for all different things. We learned that from the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have not considered becoming a member of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Club, please consider joining. Use the show code ROBLES, that's my last name, R-O-B-L-E-S, show code ROBLES, R-O-B-L-E-S, and join the Fight, Laugh, Feast Club. There's a number of different tiers that you can join, and they each come with their own perks and benefits and things like that. But most importantly, you get to support the kind of content that you love, and it's the kind of content that you do not get most anywhere else. Um, you know, we try to talk about the issues in a, in, in a way that is relevant, but at the same time, honors Christ in everything. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to follow Christ's example, all of his example. And that includes things that, you know, sometimes you, you, Gospel Coalition neglects, which is sort of the direct approach, the approach we're going to talk about today in today's podcast. So please consider joining the Fight, Laugh, Feast Club. You will get access to my exclusive content. Again, it's a review of an article called Jerks for Jesus that was posted to the Midwestern Theological Baptist Theological Seminary blog. Um, and here's just a little bit of a teaser. I am pretty sure, I'm not 100% sure, but I am pretty sure the author of this blog post had me in mind for at least part of the article. So that's why I've chosen it, and I think it's a very instructive video. Um, then Once again, please consider joining the Fight, Laugh, Feast Club. Now, today's topic, I've talked about this before. Uh, I've talked about this before, and I don't remember if I did a, vid uh, a, a video on this or a podcast or both. I can't remember, but it's okay because it's a very important topic to me. I've thought a lot about this and um, approaching it from a little bit of a different perspective this time. Um, it's about this concept of Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah. These were two people, prophet and a priest, that were active at the same time of Israel's history. And they encountered a lot of the same problems. They confronted a lot of the same battles. And in many ways, there was a theological and ideological war going on with the people of Israel. And Ezra and Nehemiah were both players in that. They were both leaders in that. They were both warriors in that battle. And it's not unlike the situation we find ourselves in today. Let's just be honest. Reformed evangelicalism, evangelicalism in general, the culture in general, is in an ideological 
war right now. There's no question about it. I think if, you, if you've listened to CrossPolitik enough, you know some of the battle lines that have been drawn regarding critical theory, regarding socialism, regarding these kinds of things, cultural Marxism, uh, social justice, that kind of thing. And I really do believe that the religion of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom of God is at stake. I don't think John MacArthur was exaggerating when he said that this was the greatest threat to the gospel that the church has faced in recent times. I think he was right about that. I think he was right about that. And if that's true, I think we ought to treat it as if it's a war because it is. Now, what's interesting, I, I, I love this time period of Israel's history. This is so instructive for people um, that are in a time that we're in right now. Ezra and Nehemiah. I love the book of Ezra so much that I named one of my sons. I've got three sons. One of them is named Ezra. It's a cool name anyway, but, but I, I, definitely part of it is because I love the, the book of Ezra very much. Now, Ezra and Nehemiah, even though they were active at the same time, and even though they confronted a lot of the same issues, they could not have had more different approaches in strategy. Now, both of them were dedicated to God. God commends both of them in the scriptures. God blesses both of their efforts in the scriptures. That's not up for debate. It doesn't set up one as the hero and the other as the villain. It doesn't set up one as the faithful one and one as the faithless one. That's not what the scripture does with Ezra and Nehemiah. They have very different styles, very different strategies, but at the same time, God says that both of them were faithful. God blesses the efforts of both of them, and they could not be more different. And what I love about Ezra and Nehemiah is it talks about the same issues. Let me give you, this is the example I want to talk about today. One of the issues that Israel was, one of the sins that Israel was engaged in very often, and, and definitely during this time of Ezra and Nehemiah, was the sin of intermarriage. They were intermarrying with the pagans. And it, it got so bad that even their children, they weren't learning Hebrew. They were learning the pagan languages, and they were honoring the pagan cultures and customs. And they were syncretizing it. They were still doing the Jewish stuff, too. But, but they, were, they were intermarrying between the different religions and, 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 and all of that. And that was something that God expressly had forbidden. And so um, that was a really big problem. That was a sin that needed to be confessed and it needed to be repented of. Um, and again, I, I just want to draw an application to our current situation. A lot of people are trying to syncretize and, 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 and try to join together Christianity and the foreign ideologies of Marxism and critical theory. These are things that cannot go together. They're oil and water. You cannot use poisonous ideologies as effective, uh, you know, uh, tools. In a Christian context, it doesn't work like that. One will always win out. You'll either be devoted to one and hate the other, or love the one and despise the other. That's, I mean, this is, this is the reality with foreign ideologies, and, and in many ways, critical theory operates as a religion. And lots of people are noticing this, not just Christians. But anyway, so Ezra and Nehemiah, they both confront this issue of, of the Israelites, the people that they lead, intermarrying. And this is what it says in the book of Ezra, okay? This is Ezra chapter 9. It says, After these things had been done, the officials approached me and said, this is written in the first person, so Ezra's talking. The officials approached me and said, quote, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands with their abominations, from the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. 
For they have taken some of their daughters to be wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race has mixed itself with the peoples of the land. And in this faithlessness, the hand of the officials and chief men has been foremost. Okay, so the people report to Ezra what's going on, and it's not looking good. Not, not just the people are doing this, but the leaders are doing it. The officials are doing it. And so here's what Ezra says. This is verse 3. As soon as I heard this, I tore my garment and my cloak and pulled hair from my head and beard and sat appalled. Then all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the faithlessness of the returned exiles gathered around me while I sat appalled until the evening. Sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting with my garment and my cloak torn and fell upon my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God saying, and then the next you know, couple paragraphs is a prayer to God. A prayer of lament, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of just God save us from this. Okay, God save us from this. And that's Ezra's response to a lot of things. He often will pray to God without really acting so much. He'll pray to God, God deliver us. There was a time in, in this book that, that they're looking for a safe passage through a section of, of land. And instead of asking the king of that land for a safe passage, he prays to God, please, please protect us. And that is an honorable thing to do. Ezra is a pious man and he prays to God. He knows where his protection comes from, comes from and he asks God to protect him. And I'm not saying that Ezra wasn't a man of action too, but the pr- presentation of him we get is someone that goes to God and is just relying on God for every single thing that he needs. And that's awesome. And that's what Ezra does. That's what Ezra does, and, 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 and that's a good thing to do. Now, Nehemiah, on the other hand, Nehemiah is a little bit different. <laughs> Nehemiah is a little bit different. Now, Nehemiah also trusts in God, also prays to God, and also knows where his help comes from, knows where everything that he needs, he knows where it comes from, and it comes from God. Nehemiah knows this. He's a faithful man, but Nehemiah is also a man of action, and he acts, and he acts decisively, and he acts in such a way that would get blog posts written about him in the Gospel Coalition about how angry he is. Nehemiah acts in such a way that the article that I'm putting, that I'm reviewing for uh, for the Fight Laugh Feast Club membership section of our of the website, he w- that blog post would have been written about Nehemiah. It would have been written about Nehemiah because he doesn't operate by these pious-sounding rules of modern evangelicalism. Pious-sounding, but not really pious. Nehemiah is a pious man, but he's a different kind of man than Ezra, no question about it. And I believe firmly that God answered many of Ezra's prayers through Nehemiah. They were a team. They were a team. And and, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But... um, Here's what Nehemiah says. In the same exact situation, the people are intermarrying. Ready? Here's what it says. Okay. In those days, also I saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod. Again, this is in the first person. This is Nehemiah speaking. Okay. Hold on a second here. He says, in those days, I also saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. 
and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, and they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each people. And I confronted them and cursed them and beat some of them and pulled out their hair. And I made each of them take an oath in the name of God, saying, You shall not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations, there was no king like him, and he was beloved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made him, even him, to sin. Shall we then listen to you and do all this great evil and act treacherously against our God by marrying foreign women? And, the one, and one of the sons of Jehodia, the sons of Elshib, the high priest, the son-in-law of Sanballat, the Horonite. Therefore I chased him from me. Remember them, O oh my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleanse them from everything foreign, and I establish the duties of the priests and Levites, each in his work, and I provided for the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. This is a man of action. Did you notice the contrast? See, Ezra hears about what's going on, and he rips out his own hair out of lament, out of, out of repentance, out of just, just mourning. He rips out his own hair, prays to God, God, what, what is going on here? God, save us. Hell, you know, accept our repentance, things like that. And Nehemiah rips out their hair. <laughs> it's a stark contrast. But you notice that Nehemiah is still a man of faith. He is quoting the scripture. He is doing things according to the scripture. He's setting up worship according to the scripture. It's st he still is on God's side. He's a man uh, of God. He's a faithful man. And he's a man that I believe God is answering Ezra's prayer of lament where he tears out his own hair. He tears out his clothes. I think God answers that prayer through Nehemiah, a man of action, a bit of a brute. Let's just be honest. Someone who beats people and forces them to take an oath and rips out their hair and things like that and confronts them. I love that word. He confronted them. You see, that's a man who's a bit of a brute. Let's just be honest. And yet, God works through him. God blesses his activities. And he is presented to us as a man of faith, a faithful man. I love that. This is important, guys. I, I think that this is an important concept. I'm going to be talking about Ezra's and Nehemiah's maybe for the rest of my life because the reality is to fight and to confront the forces of evil, the forces and the ideologies that confront us in our day, we cannot have one but not the other. We can't just have a bunch of Ezra's but no Nehemiah's. We can't just have all Nehemiah's but no Ezra's. But here's the problem. We've got a system. People talk about Big Eva, but I'm just going to talk about specifics. I'm going to talk about Gospel Coalition. I'm going to be talking about ERLC types. I'm going to be talking about the people that, that, are, that are in leadership and teaching us that want to make it seem that only the Ezra style is legitimate. The, 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 I'm talking about the article that I'm putting that I'm doing a review on in the in the Fight Laugh Feast Club uh, members only section. That article presents a Christianity that makes it 
there's only room for Ezra's. There's only room for weeping and tears and only room for pulling out your own hair and lament and all of that stuff. There is no room for direct confrontations. Do you think Nehemiah for one second said, yeah, well, you know, I don't want to really confront them by using their name. I mean, that would be too much. No, he didn't do that. He wasn't worried about that. He was beating them. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying we should beat people, but what I am saying is that there's two styles here. And we cannot have a situation where we despise one or the other. You see, the rules that we don't play by at the Cross-Politic Fight, Laugh, Feast Club, uh, our network club, are the ones that say there's only room for Nehemiah's, or I'm sorry, Ezra's. Ezra's is the only pious way, is the only loving way, and Nehemiah's have to go. That needs to be repented of. Nehemiah needs to repent for his zeal for the Lord. That's, that's the kind of rules we don't play by anymore. But the reality is, though, those on my side of this, because I think some people would, look, I kind of consider myself more of an Ezra, to be perfectly honest with you. But, you know, sometimes I'm not the best evaluator of myself, I'll be honest. So I, I think that there's a lot of people out there that would consider me a little bit more fierce, a little bit more like a Nehemiah. And so, okay, fine. I think that Nehemiahs, like me, have a tendency sometimes to despise the Ezra's and to think that the Ezra's are compromising because they're not doing things the way we are. They're not as aggressive. They're not confronting people to their face. They're not forcing people to take an oath. They're not, they're not, they're not uh, holding people's feet to the fire, that kind of thing. But you see, the thing is, people on my side of this, the Nehemiahs, the Fight, because look, the Fight, Laugh, Feast Club their network, we might be a little Nehemiah heavy. Let's just be honest about that. We might be a little Nehemiah heavy. But I think that if you look at the way that the people in the Fight, Laugh, Feast Club write about the other side, the Ezra's and stuff like that, it's it, we, we look, I think Doug Wilson said this. He, he appreciates any amount of pushback against the forces of, you know, the social justice stuff and, 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 and egalitarianism and the LGBT stuff. Even if it's just a little pushback, he appreciates that. And I think that that's how we ought to be. We ought to appreciate the Ezra's, those that pull their own hair out, those that weep, those that, that, uh, that maybe are a little bit softer about how they interact than we are. The Nehemiahs need to appreciate the Ezra's. But at the same time, the Ezra's cannot despise the Nehemiahs, cannot try to set up a phony baloney law system where the only sanctified way of engagement is this way of engagement that doesn't directly confront That's what the SBC 11th commandment is all about. It's all about trying to make a commandment, trying to set a standard that says the Ezra way, the way where you pray to God to save you but don't do anything about it directly, that's the sanctified way. That's the holy way. That's the kind way. That's the loving way. But that's not correct. You see, brothers, we cannot, we cannot, we dare not take Jesus' example and neuter it. We dare not do that because the same Jesus who spoke kindly to the woman at the well, the same Jesus who had compassion on the crowd, that same Jesus zinged people when it was necessary. That same Jesus confronted people in a harsh way when it was necessary. And there are some patterns that we can learn about what style he does with which. There's there's some clear lessons that we can learn from Jesus' example, but we dare not take Jesus' example and say only half of it is legitimate for us today. Absolutely not. We dare not do it. We dare not do it. The reality is that that, that Jesus' entire example is something that we ought to learn from and that we ought to seek to emulate, and that includes harsh words for leaders that are leading people astray. That's right. That's right. We dare not set a standard 
of behavior and of piety and of uh, of sanctified behavior in the midst of a battle. We dare not set a standard that Jesus himself would not meet, that we cannot look to Nehemiah and say, well, Nehemiah was blessed by God and a faithful man. He did not do it according to your big evangelical gospel coalition, ERLC, ridiculous, fake, phony baloney standard. We don't fight by those rules anymore. We don't fight by those rules anymore. You see, 1 Corinthians talks about how we're one body, right? We're one body. And Ezra and Nehemiah were part of this body. So we're one body, very different. One body, different members. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again to the head, the, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. Guys. Guys. Ezra was not a weak man. Okay? Ezra was not a weak man. Just because he tore his own hair out and prayed to God to protect him and didn't do a whole lot of actions that we would say are like those aggressive, direct kind of confrontational actions does not mean he was weak. We need Ezra's. We need Ezra's. And likewise, all you Ezra's out there that want to hold the Nehemiah's out there to a standard, an unbiblical standard that makes you more like a Pharisee than uh, a faithful minister of God, Don't you dare hold us to a standard that the Bible itself doesn't present, that Jesus himself wouldn't meet. That's evil, and you need to repent of that, because guess what, Ezra's? You need people like us. You need people like us that are willing to name names and smack people in the face, metaphorically, when necessary, and confront them. That's what you you need that, just like we need you. Brothers, I'm not saying that, like, look, you need the Fight Left Feast Club. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that I'm indispensable to the kingdom of God. But what I am saying is that God is working through both Ezra's and Nehemiah's, and you need to deal with that. Anyway, I hope this was helpful. God bless. Don't forget to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. 